Governor Ducey proposed a 20% salary increase for teachers by 2020. Those aligned with the Red for Ed movement say no deal. But this entire protest goes well beyond teacher pay. Welcome to the Political Notebook podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, a editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. About this time last year, the Red for Ed movement was intensifying in Arizona. It would eventually uh, lead to uh, a teacher strike, despite Ducey's attempt to pacify the movement. Uh, that strike would last until the state budget passed. Uh, and just a personal note that I did participate in the movement and helped uh, organize my own school uh, and, and charter schools to participate in the movement, but I personally strongly disagreed with uh, the decision to launch the strike. Uh, I continue to maintain that it was unnecessary and counterproductive, and I basically disagree with most all of the direction taken uh, by the leaders of the movement since then. Uh, but on this podcast episode, we're going to talk about the political impact of the movement, some of the current debates happening around education funding in Arizona, as we're getting into crunch time for the uh, state budget negotiations now. Uh, so first question, how has the movement changed the politics of education or just the politics in general here in Arizona? Well, Governor uh, Ducey had already proposed a significant increase in K through 12 education before the Red for Ed movement manifested itself and intensified and uh, engaged in the activities that you described. Um, I don't think there's any question that his additional proposal to increase teacher salaries uh, by 20% over three years um, was a direct consequence of uh, the movement. Without the movement, I don't believe he would have made that proposal, and I don't think the legislature would have um, supported it nearly as quickly uh, and willingly as it did. The movement continues, I think, to influence um, the discussion of funding for education. Uh, the governor has made uh, additional proposals this year for significant increases in K through 12 education. There will be, he's also proposed a very large um, deposit in the state's rainy day fund. The Democrats will want to spend less uh, on, restore, on the rainy day fund and more on K through 12 education. I think there will be some Republicans who, in part as a lingering effect of the movement, will want to stretch on K through 12 education beyond the fairly significant increases that are already on the table. So. I believe it continues to influence that discussion. We're going to go back uh, and talk in more in more depth about the uh, the current budget negotiation and and the trade offs uh, that are involved. Um, but let's let's just go back to that question of the influence in the conversation because I think that is one f kind of fallacy is that education wasn't a big deal in Arizona until the Red from Ed movement happened. Everyone started talking about it. I remember four years ago when I first started teaching in Arizona, uh, you know, Prop 123 being a huge uh, 
conversation, a lot of energy about it, and it being a, a main talking point in, you know, d- you know, debates and, and, and gubernatorial debates going back for a long time. Uh, but definitely it, it made it first and foremost, uh, top of the headlines and every, and, and, and in, in the last, uh, campaigns, everyone had to, everyone had to run basically on how they support education. And, and that had been developing, I think, Red for Ed um, certainly was an intensifier, but you're correct. As I uh, mentioned, uh, Governor Ducey had already proposed um, restoring one of the funding streams that was cut during the recession, um, something called additional assistance, which schools can use for whatever purpose they want, um, by $100 million, uh, and to phase in a full restoration uh, totaling over $370 million over a five-year period. So uh, the governor and the legislature were already moving in the direction of meaningful increases in K-12 through education, even beyond what occurred as a result of Proposition 123. But I don't think there is any question um, that the movement itself increased the amount that was um, allocated in the last budget year and its lingering effects may end up uh, in even more of an increase than Ducey has already proposed for this year. And that was uh, one of the interesting things last uh, last spring when the movement first started is uh, Ducey and and the the kind of public relation wraparound team trying to emphasize that with adver- advertisements saying, "Hey, we did." We did care about education. We did this. We did that, and then the you know the movement kind of responded with their uh, raises, not lies campaign. Uh, attack. We we talked about that last year. Uh, you know, attacking the commercials, <laughs> talking about how how well the um, education funding progress had been going since since the recession, and and, and meaningful increases in student achievement. <clears throat> and even though I, I have been very critical of uh, strategy political strategy and, and the direction of the movement, um, I've always maintained that, you know, sparking that fire and and, and, uh, and awakening uh, everyone was was really just incredible. I mean, in terms of organization and spark plugs, uh, you know, the leaders of that movement definitely awakened it, it, <laughs> something that the state had, has never seen before. It, particularly given um, the youth uh, and left-wing heck, activism of the leadership, it was one of the more remarkable uh, political um, developments and successes uh, in terms of a grassroots movement uh, that I've seen in 40 years of watching Arizona politics. It was um, an incredible achievement just from the standpoint of what it accomplished, even if I um, had a very, very strong adverse reaction uh, to the strike. And one of the interesting questions is where where has it gone? I think even though it still is playing a, a very strong impact on the conversations and the emphasis placed on it, on, on education, um, the, you know, the evolution of the movement is still uncertain. I think most of the media is, is acting like it's still the same as it was last year. And everyone's talking about, are they going to strike again, are going to do that. Um, from my perception, 
that's a moot point because I don't think they have the capability of doing that. I think they've lost um, a significant amount of, uh, of support uh, and, and, and grassroots leadership within the schools that, that, that was there last year. I, I don't get the sense that the organization that started the movement and um, the Arizona Education Association, which provided the infrastructure and support for it, um, are what is still influencing the debate. I, I think they, um, those organizations have sort of faded into the background in terms of influence. It's the lingering effect from the seminal event uh, reverberating through time uh, that I think is still influencing what legislators, some legislators are willing to do in terms of stretching to do things for K-12 uh, education rather than a continuing influence of two particular lobbying organizations. Which, which you know, we'll see what happens in, you know, over time. I think uh, it could have been, and maybe still could be, in terms of the uh, Arizona Educators United, the grassroots one that, you know, claimed to be a nonpartisan grassroots thing, like, like a, you know, say of our schools has developed into, that could have been a direction for that, but it seems like they've, they've sort of uh, um, almost like gone back into the shell of the teachers union. It, and, and so, you know, that was the teachers union was already kind of baked into the, to the political calculus here in Arizona um, so we will get into the specifics kind of arguments over the current budget right now, but, um, just going on one more point about the, the politics of it, uh, Republicans did uh, lose ground, uh, in the state legislature here in Arizona, uh, education was said to be one of, one of the main issues that, uh, that caused that. And, um, question is you know is that gonna is that gonna continue and then also you know you wrote a column recently about how republicans have have stopped being willing to persuade people or con confident in their ability to persuade people you're responding to um conservative and republican arguments supporting the electoral college saying well we could win a popular vote we just had to persuade people in in different areas of the country um but kind of the point is do Republicans have confidence that they can persuade people? Um, and education is a policy area where Republicans seem to be losing ground, playing defense more. Um, do you see some change in message or, or what might be persuasive, um, a persuasive pro-public education arguments that could come from Republicans in terms of convincing voters or even convincing educators that they support public education? The in order for Republicans to mount a public argument about education, um, the funding issue needs to be overcome. Uh, that attracts all the attention so long as we remain so substantially behind what schools were funded at uh, prior to the recession. With the increases that are being proposed uh, in this year's budget, and particularly if the legislature goes even beyond what Ducey has proposed, uh, fairly large strides will have been made uh, in reaching um, 
restoration. Uh, and, and, and so that so that that argument will then begin to recede. In reality, Arizona is the only state in the union which has re reached critical mass of school choice uh, to test what the promise of school choice is, and that is largely a Republican initiative and something that Republicans support. Uh, we have a critical mass of charter schools and uh, charter schools that um, have systems, they're not just standalone uh, charters. Um, about 18% of our students are attending uh, charter schools. And there's been significant increases in student achievement based upon uh, National Department of Education tests, not only for charter students, um, but also for the students that are attending district schools. So the argument that uh, competition in education will improve student achievement, both for those who exercise school choice, but also those that remain in district schools that face the competition from choice schools, uh, is being proven uh, successful in Arizona. Uh, and so if Republicans can get beyond the funding issue, and I think if we could get back to what funding was uh, prior to the recession, you can largely get beyond that argument. And you start talking about student achievement, Republicans have a heck of a story to tell um, about what's been accomplished here in creating a competitive education marketplace and what results uh, it is producing. That's a message that you don't hear often uh, unless you're paying attention to you know, small my columns, <laughs> but <laughs> but it seems but it seems like you know the uh, I think there's national political forces influencing this. This is a national trend. I mean, you hear it from the Democratic nominees for president, even even people that have supported charter schools in the past that are Democrats are now uh, you know either not talking about it at all, trying to hide it, or openly attacking charter schools. So now with the with the teachers union and with uh, Democrats uh, on the attack against charter schools, um, you're saying sell that, sell the opposite story, uh, directly confront that? Because it seems like Republicans have been uh, not only just shy, but accepting some of the premises of the, the arguments coming out of uh, the Democrat and the teachers union side, which is that um, the charter system is kind of screwed up, making people rich when that's not fair, and they should be uh, you know, reining them in. Uh, do you think some ground has been lost there with, in terms of messaging, or uh, how would you sort that out? It, yes, I, I think Republicans have flinched at um, supporting some of the elements that make the charter system work as a competitive driver um, to improvements in student achievement. Um, the, the question wasn't what will Republicans do, <laughs> but what could they do? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, school choice is producing um, significant, meaningful improvements in student achievement in Arizona. That's a message that once you get over the funding hurdle, and I, and I don't think you can get to that message till you get over mm -hmm. the funding argument, um, that I think would resonate. 
So that so I mean, that, it is the the virtue of fact uh, on on its uh, to buttress it. So so the so the kind of defensiveness uh, that people are showing now um, is a, is a is probably a side effect of getting attacked on not funding the schools. Well, part well. of the problem is that the charter schools never marketed themselves or positioned themselves as uh, under the contracting out model that they were per, that they were private uh, companies providing a public service under contract. Um, when you when you accept that model, uh, then what the public expects for its money is a year of schooling. And every evidence is that the charters are producing good results in the year of schooling that they provide for the money that they receive from the state. Instead, charters tried to avoid that description and to say, not, not that we're private companies, private businesses contracting to do a public service, but we're schools too. Um, and we're public schools, and, and, and we are just um, have a different set of rules that we follow. Well, if you are not private companies, if you're a public school, uh, then what you do with your money, uh, other than just educate kids, uh, is a legitimate public concern. So it's in, it's in part that Republicans flinched, but it's also because the charter schools never owned the contracting out model and therefore are not in a good position to argue against um, some of these accusations that they're ripping off the system. Yeah, I mean, it gets kind of gets tricky because, I mean, I, I consider myself a public school teacher. I, I work at a charter school. I know my colleagues do. Uh, it's part of, the, part of the reasons that we gave for participating in in the movement is like hey we're dependent on state state funds we're affected by the legislature just like anyone else uh we're open to the public uh for enrollment uh just like any other any other uh public school what i've kind of seen too is that um there's even a lack of i think public ed, public knowledge or awareness about even what charter schools are I think uh you know just talking to people casually it's always having to explain from scratch what is a charter school? I think a lot of people have the perception that they're just, you know, some of the things you see in a strip mall that people are just cashing in on those, or or they just see the the well very well known ones that um, some of them have been under you know under attack for their owners making a lot of money. But there's you know there's a lot of them out there, uh, a lot of small ones and a lot of medium sized ones and 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 standalone ones that are. Educating, I think, eighteen percent of uh, students in public school students in in Arizona. So, uh, but since since that debate might might not be a winning debate anyways until the funding's there, let's talk about the about the funding and the and the state budget. Um, so, there's been some various ideas. Uh, about how to how to fund uh, how to increase funding, uh, Governor Ducey's idea was always that you don't need to raise taxes; that you need that the economic growth would allow us to fill this uh, back up. Um, 
And that's kind of what he's still arguing right now is that, look, we have this surplus. I'm going to keep filling it up here, filling it up there. Um, we have a $1 billion surplus right now. He's proposing to um, take half of it to fill up the rainy day fund entirely, which is meant for when there's a recession, you can, you can use that. Um, so um, you've supported filling it up. Uh, or, or, you know, you've, tell us what you've supported. <laughs> what, what do you think that Ducey should do? Uh, what do you think the, the, the state should do with this extra money that's out there? I, I believe that there is the money um, to fully restore additional assistance um, next year. Uh, in rather than over four more years. Uh, if you did that with what uh, Governor Ducey has proposed in terms of restoring capital funding through the School Facilities Board and what he's proposed uh, in terms of the second and third year of his 20% uh, increase for teacher pay, you would be very close to restoring K through 12 funding to what it was um, pre-recession. I continue to support a consumption tax increase uh, to um, both ensure that that occurs and to, although it would be earmarked for education, relieve the pressure on other parts of the state budget, which also continue to be um, substan substantially behind pre-recession funding. So I would do more than Ducey has proposed in this for next year's budget, uh, but I continue to believe that it is prudent and better to have a consumption tax increase to provide stability to that increased funding over time and relieve the pressure on the rest of the budget. But I will say that Ducey's argument that we don't need a tax increase uh, looks better as revenue collection growth continues to improve. Why do you say uh, consumption tax rather than sales tax? Because... In or or, or what, what do you mean? I guess what I'm saying, not why do you support a consumption tax rather than a sales tax, but what do you mean when you say consumption tax? A, a sales tax would be a consumption tax, and just increasing the existing sales tax on retail goods um, would be the easiest um, and probably most politically palatable approach. Uh, I also favor, as a matter of sound tax policy, expanding the sales tax base beyond the final sale of a retail good. Um, and I even support radically changing the basis of our tax um, system by abolishing sales taxes and at least the corporate income tax, perhaps even the individual income tax, and replace it with a business gross receipts tax. Um, that would still be a consumption tax, but would be different than a sales tax. I just don't believe that we should increase uh, income taxes in particular. Uh, I favor consumption taxes over property taxes, but there might be configurations in which I could yeah. support 
a modest increase in property taxes. Yeah, and you, I mean, you say, I think the, the sales tax, the ba- there's the basic, basic sales tax that's even um, got, a, got a bill out there right now. Uh, maybe used to be the most politically feasible, but now it seems like it's almost dead on arrival with Democrats not supporting it um, because they've now coalesced around the argument that the sales tax is regressive that hurts the, you know the poor more, and now there's going to be some Republicans that don't want a tax increase at all, and then you know Ducey doesn't want a tax increase. So how would that? I mean, it seems like almost well. Whenever you get down to asking the public to increase taxes, mm-hmm. uh, we have at both the state and the municipal and even the county level always look to the sales tax because mm-hmm. that is the one the public is most. Um, receptive to, and I guess the there, one that's out there now would just—it wouldn't have to be signed by Ducey. It would just—it would just refer it, it right to the voters. Yeah, it would be a referral, referral to the gotcha. voters. It would increase the six tenths of a cent sales tax that's dedicated to education now to four tenths of a cent. Um, I don't think that is sufficient if you give nearly half of the increase to the universities, which is what the proposal currently before the legislature would do. Now, progressive groups and education groups uh, are uh, continuing to talk about going to the ballot in 2020 with something that would have a tax mix that would um, be opposed by people like me and I think would attract significantly more intense and more greatly funded opposition than an increase in consumption taxes. And and I was a little bit dis- disappointed that um, you know after after the whole Red Fred thing and the, you know the big hangup was about um, no no funding increase. Then they went to the invest in ed the the income tax hike, um, and when they got kicked off the ballot by the Supreme Court. You know, we we're right into the campaign season, and really nobody brought a revenue-increasing plan that they that they campaigned on. Um, Democrat nominee uh, um, David Garcia didn't run on it. Uh, didn't didn't really own a, a tax increase plan. Ducey was ma- maintaining his um, economic projections, and I don't I don't know of any state legislature that openly ran on a plan to increase funding. Um, well, and, except and, for the vague sort of we support invest right. in ed ideas. And, and polls about tax increases are often not predictive of the way behave, behave, the way that uh, voters ultimately decide the issue. So you've got groups that are armed with polls that say, that uh, the public would support all sorts of tax increases, including income tax increases. I just don't think that anticipates the way that a campaign would roll out. And the intensity of opposition to an increase in consumption taxes would be far less and far less well-funded than opposition to any kind of income tax and, to a lesser extent, an increase in the property tax. So, last question here is: How do you how do you think the politics of the of the fight over the budget money is going to play out? Who's going to Who's going to come out victorious there? Um, 
is Ducey's rainy day argument gonna gonna win out um, to fill up the rainy day fund because of a sort of a fear that we're gonna get to another recession and that teachers will go without in the future, or do you think uh, there would be some sort of coalition between Democrats and um, maybe more moderate Republicans to fill up uh, the district and charter assistance pot back up quicker? Um, I don't know. Ducey has always won budget debates and deliberations. He's pretty much gotten his way um, on budget matters. Uh, I don't think that his uh, grip on the legislature is nearly as strong as it was. Um, I think that there is continuing resentment over uh, the vehicle license fee uh, increase and his unwillingness to um, consider uh, reducing or eliminating it when it came in much higher than the legislature had been told that it would be. Uh, there's continuing resentment over his uh, wanting to pocket the additional money that conforming Arizona's income tax to the federal tax code changes uh, would bring in. And you do have a uh, more of a willingness by some Republican legislators uh, to try to stretch beyond where Ducey is advocating on K-12 through education. My guess is that there will be a substantial uh, increase in the rainy day fund. Uh, whether it will be as much as Ducey proposes um, and whether there will be enough Republicans who will want to see funding for K-12 through education beyond what the governor has proposed um, I suspect is playing itself out behind closed doors um, as we speak. Uh, and uh, the politics will be deucey, will, will be <laughs> dicey <laughs> and deucey. Um, and I, I, I see no indication that the Democrats will play an adroit hand. So my guess is that, get re that gets resolved within Republican circles, even though I think Democrats had a chance uh, to get involved in the game, I haven't seen any indication that they are playing their political cards in a way that would make them part of that debate. Well, last week the big conversation was whether Tiger Woods had the capability of winning another major. You were a prophet. I you predicted you, you predicted that Woods well, would win another major. And now the new new debate is, uh, is he going to catch Jack Nicholas? Is he going to... Uh, I've even heard some people talk about whether he's going to win the Grand Slam this year. Uh, what do you think? Is he in it for the long haul? Uh, I think he is in it on for the long haul. His his swing, um, uh, this is his fifth swing, um, <laughs> and it looks really, really good and really repeatable. Uh, and uh, he showed uh, in the Masters that he – hasn't forgotten how to win. <laughs> that was fun to watch. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is the Political Notebook podcast. You can find us on iTunes or anywhere that you uh, listen to podcasts. Thanks. <laughs>